If you have a, a Bible with you this evening, please turn back with me to Luke's Gospel and to chapter 14. And uh, my text this evening is found in, in verse 17. It says, and He sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And it's especially those last words I want to center our thoughts on this evening. Come, for all things are now ready. And, and my title tonight is God's Great Invitation. God's Great Invitation. Now it's clear from the, uh, the context that Jesus at this moment was sitting down and he was sharing a meal. In verse 15 it says that he was sat at meat. There was this person sat with him. Jesus Christ was, was sitting down. And it would seem from verse 1 of the chapter that Jesus was eating in the house of one of the chief Pharisees. And so no doubt there were other Pharisees reclining at the table, all enjoying this meal together. Here are all these religious elites sat down and enjoying this meal. It would have been considered, of course, a great privilege to have been invited to eat with such important people. It's on this occasion that the Lord Jesus Christ tells this parable that's recorded here from verses 16 down to verse 24. It's often called the parable of the Great Supper or the Great Feast. And of course, Jesus was the master, wasn't he, of telling suitable stories at the most suitable times. When he was sat outside, you remember he used birds and flowers and fields to illustrate his teaching. And now here he is, he's sat at a table eating food, and he uses this picture of a feast. And he tells this story to drive home the spiritual truths that he wants to teach about the kingdom of God. And the parable that Christ tells us here is about a certain man, you notice that in verse 16, a certain man who makes a great supper. This certain man represents God's. And the supper that's made is a, is a picture of the gospel. It's a picture of the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ. And in the parable, we notice that people are invited to come to this supper. And the first group of people initially accept the invitation, but then when it actually comes to the time of the meal, they all begin to make their excuses. And Jesus here is primarily referring to the Jews, the gospel was offered to them first. They heard the news of the coming Messiah, but they rejected him, and they rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and so in the parable, we read that the master of the house was angry, and so he sends out his servants into the streets and the lanes of the city to bring in the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. And this is a reference to the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ being taken out to the Gentiles to people like you and me tonight. And it speaks of the Gentiles being brought into this wonderful gospel feast by God's servants as the word of God is, is preached. People who are receiving Christ from every place. And as they come, you notice there was still room. And so the servants are told to go out again and compel people to come in. And friends, tonight that speaks of the Christian's great role, doesn't it? We're to be ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ, beseeching people and saying, be ye reconciled to God. That's my job tonight as a, as a preacher of the gospel, to compel you and invite you to come, to come to the, the gospel feast. 
And you notice, though, in verse 24, the parable ends of a warning. Those who hear the invitation but refuse to come will not taste of this great supper. But in the middle of this parable, we have this wonderful invitation. The servants are sent out and told to say, come, for all things are now ready. And friends, tonight this is an invitation that God still sends out by his servants. He's still saying, come, come, come. He's still saying, everything's ready for you. The feast is prepared. Will you not come and eat at this wonderful gospel feast? He's still calling men everywhere to repent and believe the gospel. It's God's great invitation to sinners. And I want to think a little about this invitation with you for a few minutes tonight. And the first thing that I want us to notice about this great invitation is that it was an invitation to a supper. It was an invitation to a supper. There are all sorts of invitations, aren't there, that we might receive. Invitation to a friend's house for a meal, for example, or the children particularly receive birthday invitations, don't they? Sometimes we might get an invitation to a wedding. And the invitation that was given out here was to a, to a supper, to a great feast. And we said as a few moments ago that this feast, this supper, is a picture of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. At a feast there is food and there is drink. Feasts are intended to be joyful occasions. And the gospel of Jesus Christ is, is like a feast. It provides everything that a sinner needs. Naturally, in our sin, we are starving and we're empty. We're those who are helpless and sad. But in the gospel, provision has been wonderfully made for sinners. In Christ, there's forgiveness of sin. Through Christ, we can be justified and have peace with God. Through Christ, we can enjoy reconciliation with a holy God. Christ is like a feast that satisfies our souls. The gospel meets us at our, at our point of need. Remember what the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. In that same passage he goes on to say, He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. When Christ died on the cross, he was dying a sacrificial death. It was a substitutionary death. It was in the place of and for the benefit of empty sinners. And God now invites hungry, perishing sinners to come to this feast. And we could note a number of things about this supper. Notice what it says there in verse 16. It says, a certain man made a great supper. It was a great supper. This feast that's available in Jesus Christ is a great feast. And it's great because what Christ did at Calvary was a great work. He's provided sinners with so much. No other creature, no other human being, no angel in heaven, no one could have done what Christ did. What sinner needed was a perfect man to, to come into this world, a divine man. This man would have to live a, a perfect life. There had to be no sin, no, no hint, no trace of sin in this person. And not only that, but this person then had to die in the place of sinners. It had to be a death where, where God would pour out his righteous wrath. This man had to bear the sin of his people. What was required was a great work. 
And Christ, the second person of the Trinity, was the only person who could achieve and complete such a great and wonderful work. And he did so. He fulfilled it all. Nothing was left undone by Christ. And so there is now available for sinners a great feast. The question is, have you come? Have you come to this feast? But we could also add that this supper was a gracious supper. Not only was it a great supper, but it was a gracious supper. The impression we get as we read this parable is that this certain man decided to have this supper purely out of the goodness of his own heart. He was being kind. He, he didn't owe these people anything. He was fulfilling what Jesus Christ had already spoken about before. Don't invite your best friends. Don't invite those because they may recompense you. This man, he displays great grace. You notice how the first people they, that he invites, he invites them. They don't, he's not expecting anything from them. And we can tell, that it's, we can tell can't we, that this is, this is grace because when they refuse to come, he then brings in outcasts. He wants to lay on this feast for people. It shows us that this supper was not to impress anyone, but it was gracious. And friends, this evening, so it is with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ coming into this world and, and laying down his life at Calvary was not because God owed us anything. And it was not because God wanted to impress mankind. Far from it, everything that Christ has done is out of grace. We didn't deserve it. If God had wished it, he could have left us, couldn't he, in our miserable state. And he could never have sent his son, never have provided such a wonderful gospel feast. But instead, he supplied it out of his good pleasure. So let me ask you again tonight, have you come? Have you come to this gospel feast? But we could also say tonight that this supper that was great and it was gracious is also sufficient Look again at verse 16. It says, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. Many were invited. Now the first group didn't come, but when people were brought in, there was room and food for all. Despite there being such a great number, there was clearly enough for everyone. No wonder it's described as a great supper. And friends, it's the same with the gospel of Jesus Christ. It meets the desperate need of sinners and there's room for all. Anyone who comes to Christ will be filled and will be satisfied. There is no sinner too hungry that Christ cannot fill. There is no sinner so empty that this feast will not suffice. What Christ did at Calvary is sufficient to save any sinner. Let me say, friends, tonight, it doesn't matter how many sins that you've committed. It doesn't matter how deep and how awful those sins are. Christ alone is the answer. But again, the question is, have you come? Have you come to this gospel feast? There's a fourth thing that we could say about this supper. We could also say that this feast, it was a free feast. Look again at the invitation in verse 17. He says, come for all things are now ready. Everything, all things is ready. It's here, it's prepared. Everything's been provided. Everything's ready. Those who were invited didn't need to pay anything. They didn't need to bring anything. Everything was there. You know, sometimes you might get an invitation to 
someone's house and you say to them, well, is there anything I can bring? And they may say, well, you know, it could be helpful if you bring a dessert or bring a, a drink or something. That would be, that would be helpful if you, if you did that. We've got friends and they always say, don't bring anything, just bring a good sense of humour. But there's something they want you to bring. But when the invitation was sent for this banquet, there were no requirements. And friends, when it comes to the gospel feast, there is nothing that we need to bring and there is nothing that we can bring and there is no price that we must pay. The offer of salvation is free. Everything has been provided. In actual fact, if you try and turn up to this feast with something, it would be insulting on the master of the house. And we could illustrate this in in a very simple way. Just imagine, for example, that you receive an invitation to a state banquet at Buckingham Palace. You're going to dine with the Queen. What a wonderful privilege that would be. And so you make sure that you're suitably dressed for such an important occasion. You, you know, you've got the invitation in your hand. And as you're traveling to Buckingham Palace, suddenly you get this doubt in the back of your mind. Something begins to trouble you. What if halfway through the banquet we run out of drink? What if back Buckingham Palace have forgotten to order enough drink for all the guests at this banquet? And so you decide quickly on the way to Buckingham Palace just to drop into Tesco on the way. And you run down the drink aisle and you pick up a cheap, you know, two-bottle litre of Tesco Coca-Cola. Can you imagine turning up to Buckingham Palace with this bottle tucked under your jackets? It'd be an offence, wouldn't it? To think that Buckingham Palace couldn't supply what you needed for this, for this feast? To think that a, a cheap bottle of, you know, Shola Cola or whatever they call it is going to be good enough for a banquet with the Queen? It's ludicrous. But friends, it's the same with the gospel. Christ has done everything that is necessary for a soul to be saved. He's paid the price for our sins. He, he died on the tree and bore the curse as we thought this morning. Nothing I can do, nothing you can do can improve on the finished work of Christ. If we think that we need to do something to make amends, to go to church perhaps, to carry out certain religious acts, whatever, whatever it might be, friends, it's like bringing a bottle of drink to Buckingham Palace. It's an offence. It'd be an offence to God to think that you need to do something. The moment you try and add to the work of Christ, you take away. Christ has done it all. No, friends... The invitation to come to this feast is come as you are. You don't need to bring anything. Christ has provided it all. Christ has paid it all. And again, friends, the question for each of us tonight is, but have you come? Have you come? Well, we've seen then in this first place an invitation it was an invitation to a supper. But notice secondly with me this evening that it was an invitation that was spurned. An invitation that was spurned. The master of the house had got everything ready, got everything prepared. It's, it's clear that invitations had already been sent out and people had responded saying they were coming. Apparently that was a custom in the east that you would send servants out to collect the, the people to come to your, your feast. But when the servants are sent out, when it actually came to the day, when it came to the moment of the supper, everyone began to make excuses. And the first, you notice the first there says, you know, well, I've, uh, 
I've, uh, I've bought a piece of ground in verse 18, and uh, I must needs go and see it. So I pray thee, you know, have me excused. And the second says, well, I've just got five yoke of oxen, and I, I need to go and prove them and test them. And the third, third adds, well, I've just married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. He doesn't even seem to make an excuse. He just says, I can't come. And on the surface, these excuses may seem to be reasonable. Buying land is important. It requires thought and care. Proving oxen. That would be, in our day, like you know, test driving a tractor before you, before you bought it for the farm. That seems very sensible. After all, there's nothing wrong, is there, in making sure that business adventures are seen to properly. Likewise, spending time with family is good. But a careful examination of these responses shows that they were poor and foolish excuses. Who buys a piece of land without first looking at it? Why did this man need to then go and see it right now? Again, why did the next man need to go and prove the oxen at this time of night? You know, had he not already tested them? Had he not already gone and proven them before he bought them? And what about the third man? Just because he was recently married, why did that prevent him from coming to a joyful occasion, bringing his wife, having a feast? It's interesting, actually, to compare these three excuses with the three things that are told in the parable of the sower that choke the word of God's. You recall in, in that parable that the, the thorns choked the seed and the three things that choke the word of God are the cares of this world and the second was the deceitfulness of riches and the third was the pleasures of this life and they all match up. And the sad truth is that all the people who made these pathetic excuses never tasted the supper. And these excuses made the master of the house angry. He saw right through them. He saw that they were ungrateful, that they were rude. And he saw that they had spurned his kindness. But friends, let me ask you, is this you tonight? What excuses are you using for not coming to Christ? If we were to take your excuses and take time to analyse them, I think we would find whatever your excuse was, it would prove to be wholly inadequate, just like these excuses in my experience, people tend to use two or three different ones. It's not just one. It might be a, a gathering of different ones. Is that you tonight? I couldn't come because of this and that, and there's this holding me back, and I, oh, I couldn't possibly. Friends, let me say there are many interesting things to see in this world, but none better than seeing and knowing Jesus Christ. And friends, we may be busy in the things of this world, and yet we can be too busy for Christ. And we're too busy for Christ, the chance of eternal life will, will pass us by. While ever our affections are set on things of this world and not on Christ, we'll miss out on the greatest blessing of all. Friends, let me ask you tonight, why would you turn down such a, a glorious and gracious provision? Why would you spurn the mercy and the grace of God that's so freely available, as we've already said? And it's so sufficient for you. Why would you turn it down? Why are you so unwilling perhaps to come? Friends, let me say to you, don't make excuses. God says, come for all things are now ready. Again, let me ask you, have you come? Well, we've seen then an invitation 
that was to a supper and we've seen an invitation that was spurned. But notice lastly with me this evening, an invitation that was sincere. An invitation that was sincere. The master of the house may have been angry that his, his invitation had been spurned and rejected by these people, but it didn't stop him from filling the feast with guests. And he asks his servants, doesn't he, to go out into the streets and the lanes of the city. And the servants were to look for the poor, and they looked for the maimed and the halt and the blind, and to bring these people in. These people were the people who would have been sat in the streets begging, hunched perhaps in some doorway. These were the outcasts. These were the, the rejects of society. These were the, 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 the despised people of Christ's day. And yes, it was these who were brought into this gospel feast. The man who was wealthy with new land, he misses out. The man too concerned with his business, he misses out. The man at home with his wife never enjoyed this supper and its delights. But the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind, they come in. And friends, again, we have to say what a glorious picture of the gospel of Jesus Christ this is. We see that the invitation of the master was sincere. He wanted to fill his house. He wanted to bring people in. He wanted people to taste this supper. And so he welcomes all and he receives all into his banqueting house. And God sends out his invitation, even today, and it's a sincere invitation. He says to everyone, come, come, all things are ready. It's a wonderfully sincere invitation. You know, once when I was at university, a friend of mine, he had he got being given a Christmas present. And in this Christmas present, it was headed paper. And on these different pieces of headed paper, one was a pretend police establishment. Another one was Buckingham Palace. Another one was some other institution. And the idea was that you would make a letter on your computer and then you'd put this piece of paper into the printer and you could print this whatever you wanted to put onto this headed paper, and then you could send it. Well, he thought that he would send an invitation to someone uh, to, uh, I think it was Buckingham Palace, and uh, he sent this invitation to a friend, and it all looked very real and serious. And this person was so excited to receive it, I can't believe Buckingham Palace have invited me. And he filmed the whole thing of this person going to London with this invitation, and that it was all a joke, it was not sincere. But you know, friends, the wonderful truth is that when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ and he says, come, 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 and he says it to all kinds of sinners, it's genuine and it's sincere. And you notice, friends, it's not only a sincere invitation, but it's sent to be the worst kind of sinners. It's open to everyone. The poorest sinner, the sinner who's been mutilated by their sin, the sinner who's blind and who's in darkness, the, the sinner who is spiritually deformed, who can only, as it were, limp their way to Jesus Christ. This gospel feast is for you. Friends, let me say to you, don't think that you need to get better first before you come. Just come. Perhaps you say, look, I don't really feel right for coming. Let me say to you, just come. You know, when the servants had brought in the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind, there was still room. And friends, there is always room for another sinner to come to the gospel feast. There's always more space for another sinner to come. And friends, let me say to you, there is room for you tonight if you're still outside of Jesus Christ. There's room for all. 
And again, let me ask you, have you come? Have you come to the gospel feast? But just as I close this evening, I want you to notice the warning at the end of this parable. This invitation is indeed sincere, but there is also a sense of urgency about it. The message, you remember, was come for all things are now ready. It's ready now, and at the end of the feast, we're told that none of those men that were bidden shall taste of my supper. Those who had refused, those who had rejected, never tasted. And it was a supper. It was an evening. The night was closing fast. The opportunity to come to the feast was then. And friends, the same is true with the gospel feast. The opportunity to come is now. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Those who rejected the invitation never tasted the supper. And let me say to you, friends, tonight, don't be like them. Don't put it off. Let me say to you, heed this great, this glorious, this sincere, this wonderful invitation of God. He says, come. Come for all things are now ready. I trust that each one of us here this evening, if you've never come, you would come tonight. Come to this feast. And you'll find it's sufficient for all, all of your spiritual needs.